0: Historically speaking, the sport of surfing was typically viewed as a sport purely for 16 to 30 year old alpha males. This was sort of either a solo activity or one that was done, you know, just amongst a group of predominantly male friends. Bottom line is if you can create an experience that satisfies everyone in the family unit, what ends up happening? your length of stay goes through the roof, your average daily spend goes through the roof, and critically, your repeat visitation goes through the roof. And all of this translates into an ROI that is orders of magnitude higher than would otherwise be if you were just catering to that very, very narrow demographic set.
1: Caught my first tube this morning. welcome to beyond the ocean the podcast exploring surf parks and the impact of technology on the future of surfing we speak with technology leaders investors operators and surfing legends to explore this exciting new movement i'm your host chris klusner hello world here's chris klusner from beyond the ocean and I'm so excited to bring you our next conversation today featuring Mr. Paul Chudder, Chief Commercial Officer at Whitewater. Paul is an ex-investment banker turned surf park tycoon. He oversees global business development, marketing, and growth for Whitewater, as well as the launch of their new surf park-specific line of products called Endless Surf. Whitewater's been doing this since the 80s, And Paul is a visionary to help us think about what the next 40 years of surf park development will look like. Paul also shares a bit more about new technologies that are reshaping the surfing experience, like wearable devices that you can put on your wrists, jump in the pool, and have the waves perfectly designed for you your preferences, and your skill level. So really making it easy for both beginners to get into the sport, but experts to get a perfect experience exactly tuned to their needs and desires. So really exciting stuff. Please join me for this wide range of conversation with Mr. Paul Chutter, Chief Commercial Officer at Whitewater. Uh-huh.
0: My name is Paul Chutter. I'm Whitewater's Chief Business Development Officer. So I oversee our global BD as well as all of what we refer here to as, as pre-contract. So that includes our sales operations team, all of our sales, our marketing, our pre-contract engineering team. We equally have a, a significant architectural department here that I oversee as well as well uh, as well as a full estimating team. That deal with with all of our projects prior to to contract signing. So it's a fairly substantial uh, remit in the sense that, to date, I think Whitewater's completed uh, about fifty five hundred projects worldwide. We we undertake plus or minus one hundred and fifty projects a year, uh, and and so it goes without saying that we've got a very very broad array of clients spread around the world, as well as a, a very significant uh, business development team that uh, that accesses those clients.
1: So you're moving offices. Where where are you heading to?
0: Believe it or not, we're, we're moving just a couple blocks away.
1: That's exciting.
0: We've been in the office we're in uh, currently, which actually spans two buildings for about 25 years. And I can assure you these halls, these offices, these boardrooms, it's interesting. I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, just the number of projects that have been conceived, the number of architectural drawings that have been rolled out master plans that have been rolled out on these, these boardroom tables. Um, there's a lot of history there. And, and so it's certainly with, with mixed emotions that, uh, that we leave, but I think it's an absolutely stunning new space that we're moving into that I think is very representative of, of the whitewater of today and, uh, ultimately, uh, really going to be just an amazing reward for our, our employees.
1: That's so exciting. And speaking of the legacy of, of whitewater, the first ever exposure I had to surf parks was, was Typhoon Lagoon in Florida. And I'd love to hear a little bit of the, because that is the world's first, or at least the U.S.'s first surf park, if I have that right. Is, is that correct?
0: That's right. I think uh, on a large scale, and certainly for us, uh, when, when we look at where we are today and the advent of, of endless surf, it really, for us, I think, represents the culmination For Whitewater, we're actually approaching our 40th anniversary in in just a few months, but uh, we've been involved in the wave generating space for about 35 years now. And where we're at today with Endless really does represent the culmination of years of engineering, but I think in particular years of experience where we have been involved in the space. And over that time, we've seen a number of players come and go. We've seen technologies that have gained popularity and then equally fallen by the wayside and we've equally been involved both ourselves directly as well as through our subsidiary, Murphy's Waves, in a a variety of of different technologies that have been employed over the years, all of which has has culminated in in our minds, certainly by our count, Whitewater, as I say, either directly or through a subsidiary, having designed and installed anywhere from 80 to 85% of the world's wave pools. So we've quietly gone about dealing with the lion's share of inland, waves, uh, certainly in some cases inland surf to date, which for us I think is is what we think positions us very, very, very well to take this next step, but I think is what just gets us really, really excited about where the, the whole space is going.
1: What's the relative size in terms of economic costs for one project? If you could average all of those different projects you've seen, what's the average size of a project in terms of dollar cost?
0: It's a good question, and there's a couple of ways to look at it. I mean, there's certainly what Whitewater provides, and then no different than than a surf park. There's the equipment side, and then there's the overall development costs, and, and those can vary significantly. For us, in terms of our scope, we can take on projects as small as smaller municipal projects that that might result in a, a contract to Whitewater of a few hundred thousand dollars, right up to, for example, right now, we're, we're in the throes of delivering what? is the largest contract in the history of the water park industry which for whitewater is over an 80 million dollar contract for equipment supply alone and then there's everything in between wow it really depends on the complexity and then of course the the scope and the scale of the project
1: and could you talk us through because white whitewater of course has been around for many decades and literally has shaped the infrastructure for these sort of out-of-ocean aquatic experiences, but there's a new offering that you've just launched a couple weeks ago at this point called Endless Surf, and I'd love if you could give a description of what Endless Surf is.
0: Whitewater is currently on the cusp of its 40th anniversary, really had its beginnings in the water park space, but shortly thereafter made its foray into wave generation. Those beginnings began... The relationship with a company out of scotland called barn ray who are very well known in the water movement space uh, the wave generation space as well the company that was founded by ian ray and his son andrew ray who was based in north america ended up joining whitewater as as one of the principals here just a few short years after whitewater had been founded and that really kind of springboarded us into the wave space we've been involved in waves as they say for about 35 years now and and have really i think we've been fortunate in that we've managed to experience sort of the whole buffet of technologies as as they've evolved over the years where we focus primarily is on pneumatic systems hydraulic systems and, and combination pneumatic hydraulic systems the installation that you mentioned a few minutes ago disney's typhoon lagoon that is a very, very large scale combination system. But the larger waves that you see there are hydraulic system, which is effectively involves pumping water into, into huge vertical silos, after which trapdoors are released and all that water flows into the bottom of the wave pool and, and generates a wave. As we progressed through that evolution, we did eventually end up acquiring Murphy's Waves who had been equally active in the space and, and have a, quite a few notable installations around the world as well. And then of course, eventually acquired Flowrider as well, which we saw as, as highly complementary not only to our broader product offering, but I think in terms of the engineering know-how expertise and the experience of the Flowrider team was really complementary to our own in-house engineering team that predated them. And that really led us to a few years ago, really starting to keep a keen eye on the early development stages of the sort of the pure play inland surf space and as i said earlier i mean it's, what's interesting for us is a lot of the technologies that we see employed today we have seen employed in in years past uh, certainly in the 80s in asia and, and japan in particular we saw The use of very very large scale plunger systems and and we see some of those that are are used by players today we saw the use of vacuum systems some of which we see in play today and we equally saw systems that employed pulling large-scale movable objects underwater to to create waves And, and of course we see that today as well the technology that we zeroed in on very early and have been a fan of for a very long time, and it's one that we continue to use today, is Is the pneumatic system. In many ways, it's simplicity, but it's elegance as well. Pneumatic systems effectively involve blowing air into water uh, at a very simplistic level. And where the magic sits is in the all of the software and the controls that power that. But it's it's one that we love because you have little to no equipment at all underwater, which for us sort of represents the cardinal sin, when it comes to wave creation, but equally provides a certain agility when it comes to uh, being able to create a very, very wide array of different waves, different cadences, catering to, to beginners, to intermediates, to experts. It's where we've got the, the most amount of experience. So it was a very, very sort of natural conclusion for us to come to. And it's one that we've honed over the years. We're very, very exciting to, excited to be bringing to the surf space in particular.
1: That's so exciting. And for those viewers who haven't seen the different experiences you've just described there, so between Typhoon Lagoon, which is what I might categorize as more of a longboard type wave, uh, very consistent, a larger footprint. Then you also have Flow Rider, for example, the one in San Diego, which is more of a tight footprint. It's, it's a smaller facility. And the board that folks will ride is more of a flow board, a wakeboard style with small fins. what does the new technology with Endless Surf look like? And, and I also understand that one of the key Endless Surf products series in terms of technology involves a heart-shaped pool. So could you talk through just the different end users' experiences as someone who's actually visiting or seeing one of these things in real life? How do those different technologies impact that user's experience?
0: when we look back to typhoon lagoon for example and as i mentioned that's a that's a hydraulic system what it created was more of a push this was in the early sort of very very early days when it comes to the development of of surfable waves now it is worth noting that even to this day you know private sessions are held at at typhoon lagoon every single evening it is a very very surfable wave but what it did not accomplish what it could not achieve uh, using hydraulic technology is you know some of the beautiful barreling waves that that we see today there's also a very as, as you pointed out there's a very significant difference in pool shape historically in an insulation like typhoon lagoon in order to channel the energy of that wave you would have two parallel walls that eventually fanned out and created a, a very very large fan shape so with a effectively a broad stem that that led into a fan where we've meaningfully evolved the the shape of the es pool is on a number of levels frankly is by way of the creation of this this very organic feeling heart shaped pool where this is really really interesting is is that depending on the size of the pool of course you've got your chambers that are running along the back it enables the pool to run either two concurrent sessions with waves breaking to the right as well as to the left starting from the center in the case of our largest pool 24 chambers in either direction or actually running a full 48 chamber wave from left to right, that allows for an over 20 second surf experience. So what we like is that it really enables the operator or the owner, depending on who's in the pool, whether it's a public session, a private session, to, to really, really cater that, uh, that experience to their guests. Then within both of those sides, as I say, we've, we have multiple zones that are in place, Beginner, advanced, as well as intermediate, and again, that pool shape that we've created really allows for some nice sort of shallow areas that can even be used by kids for boogie boarding. If dad is out surfing, mom and kids can be in the shallows. If, if mom is out surfing, dad and kids can be in the shallows. There's a longboard zone, and then and then you've got your shortboard zone as as well. So it's a really really nimble asset that allows the the operator to cater for just about anyone who's in the pool.
1: I did want to ask you about that balance, exactly what you mentioned of beginners versus experts. An anecdote that we'd heard from, from Jess Ponting from Surf Park Central is that 90% of the revenue of a surf park is made from beginners, but 90% of the cost is accrued from that barreling perfect wave. And so I'd love to get your perspective on how you think an endless surf thinks about balancing that experience of beginners versus experts. I think the HA pool does a nice it's a nice visual to picture that it's just two separate zones. You need that expert view so the beginners can see what they're aspiring to, uh, and you need that shallow area so the family and, and others can be participating. But how do you think about it and that balance versus beginners versus experts? in terms of the operation of these projects once they're up and running?
0: If we zoom out for a minute, I I think in many ways it speaks to the philosophical difference in which we at Whitewater and and Surf are approaching the entire space. I mean, not just in terms of the mechanics of the operation, but the space as a whole. Historically speaking, the sport of surfing was typically viewed as a sport purely for 16 to 30 year old alpha males. This was either a solo activity or one that was done, you know, just amongst a group of predominantly male friends. When I look at the sport of surfing today, I've seen an incredible demographic shift to what today, to me, when, you know, whether you're on the North Shore in Hawaii or a beach in Southern California, a multi generational activity where when you do walk out onto the beach what you are seeing is again it's father and 13-year-old son paddling out together it's mom and 9-year-old daughter paddling out together or it's you know mom and daughter playing in a you know just a light small little beach break either on boogie boards or or just in their bathing suits but what it becomes is a family day out it really is something that's geared towards the full family unit It's interesting because I think when we look at the competitive landscape in the inland surf space today, what we've seen is other technology providers primarily gearing their offering or directing their offering to that pure play alpha male surf set. And don't get me wrong, the surf and the technology has to be impeccable. And we'll certainly no doubt touch on where we're heading with the tech as well and what we believe we're bringing to the market we believe will be the best the world has ever seen but where i think we we do differentiate is the way in which we approach this authentic experience and it's something we learned a very very long time ago in our experiences elsewhere in location based entertainment which is very simply put that mom is the most critical member of the family and if you can keep mom happy everyone else is happy If you can keep the 14 year old teenage daughter happy, then then categorically everyone else is happy. (laughs) But bottom line is, if you can create an experience that satisfies everyone in the family unit, what ends up happening? Your length of stay goes through the roof, your average daily spend goes through the roof, and critically, your repeat visitation goes through the roof. And all of this translates into an ROI that is orders of magnitude higher than would otherwise be if you were just catering to that that very, very narrow demographic set. When we speak to customers and potential clients, developers, et cetera, that is very much the language that we use. And it's a language that they use and it's certainly one that, that they appreciate. But I think when taken as a whole, and, and I'll bring it full circle back to the very beginnings of our conversation, I mean, this is very much about the democratization of, of surfing and providing access not just to professional surfers it is about that but not to the exclusion of others this is about providing access and contributing to the growth of a sport that frankly has enjoyed incredible growth in spite of all of the the natural geographic headwinds but contributing further to that growth by providing access to those who never would have dreamed or imagined that that they could be surfing in Kansas.
1: That's incredible. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more about what that all-encompassing experience looks like, knowing that it's really about the family unit and keeping mom and the kids happy. It sounds like it's beyond just the wave that is really going to be important for family units and, and customers to come in. So What does the rest of that infrastructure look like for a best-in-class experience beyond the wave technology itself? What's surrounding it?
0: We're incredibly fortunate to have an in-house architecture department of about 25 creatives who have decades and decades of experience when it comes to concept design, creative design, master planning of various developments around the world. And so it's a concept that we are very familiar with but in the case of Endless Surf, you're absolutely right. The pool, of course, is the anchor. And that's why everyone is there. But our vision is much broader than that and, and is far greater than that. I think when we look at and we see some of the installations around the world today, they really are sort of standalone, just pure play, dedicated surf pools, not surrounded by much, if anything at all. Some of the work that we've done and the first project that we've announced in Paris is a great example of this. But pool. In this case, which is actually in as dense an urban setting as as one could imagine, but that is complemented by an incredibly deep, beautiful sand beach with an enormous boardwalk that wraps around it. Beautiful F and B, food trucks, ancillary aquatic amenities. There is standing sheet wave in Flow Rider that is on site as well. All of this to, as I say, to create. An environment that offers a little something for everyone, which results in that family unit or those guests staying longer than they might otherwise have done. So that if dad is out in the pool for two hours, you know, that 12 year old boy, he's entertaining himself and he's having one of the best days out he's had in a very long time as well. And mom might be relaxing in a beautiful cabana with her feet up, having food brought to the table next to her, and their little daughter might be playing in the sand adjacent. It's really about creating much broader, bigger experience that is going to create a, a greater offering that is going to cause people to come back. It's going to cause them to come back over and over and over again. And categorically, I mean, when we talk to to real estate developers and developers in general, this is very much in line with the philosophical vision that they have. And the feedback that we've received to date has, has really been that nobody else is, is really speaking this language.
1: That's so exciting. And, and specifically about the Paris project, can you describe where geographically that is going to be in relation to the city, to, as much as you can share, and the relative scale of that project? Because I, I understand it's quite large.
0: It is. So it, it's an, in a neighborhood called Sèvres, which is just outside the utmost sort of center or core of, of Paris, but would still be considered to be in the heart of Paris. It's an area that is actually going through fairly significant gentrification right now. And one of the big pushes to have an amenity like this was to really assist in that evolution. It's a neighborhood that can use some help. And certainly the city of Paris is is very much looking at this as something that can provide a huge boon to that neighborhood. And to, uh, you know, not just to, to surfers around the world as well as spread across France, but to locals who are going to be provided unique access to this amenity. It is part of a broader development that is going to include a great deal of residential as well. So it is a bigger play. It is one that's very, very much focused on community, which is at its foundation, at its core. I mean, we talk about the democratization of surfing and increasing access. It's something that, that really struck a chord with us. It's why this this particular first project is incredibly meaningful for us
1: that's incredible and and so exciting to see and uh, can't wait to see some more imagery and uh, renderings as those come out i'd also wanted to ask about some of the other technologies and capabilities that whitewater and, and endless surf more specifically brings to each of these new projects and so could you tell us a little bit about the vantage platform and how that relates to endless surf as well as the wave doctor product
0: Vantage is a technology company that was formed by Whitewater a number of years ago. The goal of which is really to accomplish two things. One, augment guest experience while at the same time driving operational efficiencies. And we've seen a huge uptake of this in the broader location-based entertainment space, but categorically see an application, from our (laughs) standpoint, a very obvious application when it comes to surfing venues. And this can involve a whole slew of things, not least of which things like safety, governance, access control, automatic waivers, safety videos beforehand, asset management, for example, and be that equipment that is rented out, such as boards, wetsuits, et cetera, or functionality that's embedded in the technology such as predictive maintenance uh, when it comes to the heavy equipment, the hardware that's producing the waves as well. Of course uh, full information capture as it relates to guests as well as the ability to understand the way in which the guests once inside the venue are interacting with the venue where that becomes really really interesting when it comes to the surf pool itself is knowing exactly the skill level of those who are in the pool and what waves are are being pushed out on top of that we can identify where exactly in the pool they are so that ties what we call the surf concierge back into the wave doctor which really enables us to curate that surf experience depending on the frequency of waves the cadence of waves the types of waves we're we're pushing out depending on who's in the pool at what time and where we see this as the most technologically advanced surf experience that's out there not just from the standpoint of the hardware that's being employed but as well as from the standpoint of the overall guest experience
1: does that manifest itself in some sort of a wearable device? Is it something attached to the board? How does that manifest itself when someone's actually in the pool?
0: That's right. It's a wearable that is worn by every guest.
1: Wow. And so just by way of example, so let's say a beginner jumps in the pool. What kind of wave are they going to see versus someone more expert that's been there a handful of times and has you know passed some sort of a, a threshold to be able to get that peak performance wave, what's that variation look like in terms of wave demonstration or or wave height potentially?
0: I mean, as I said before, the nice thing about the pneumatic system is really your ability to cater to the various skill levels of those who are in the pool is effectively unlimited in many senses. Now, we do have different distinct zones within the pool that surfers are directed towards based on that skill level. We've equally done a great deal of work on currents to ensure that once you're in that area, you're not getting pulled into an area that you never intended to be in. I think what it it really gives us the ability to do and the flexibility to do is in real time know exactly who's in the pool and to be able to generate an experience that's appropriate to those individuals. So rather than, for example, dealing with a more of an analog system of pen and paper as opposed to digital and perhaps being able to look back at the end of the day, who came in, how much time they spent, et cetera. We know exactly who's in, who's where. And if, for example, you have 65 beginners in the pool, you can run a pure beginner session for those individuals, and it's going to be the perfect day out for them. If you've got 18 pros in the pool, you know that, and you can run a session that perfectly calibrated to their ability.
1: That sounds quite nice, actually. I mean, can you imagine if the real world was like that? That would be uh, incredible. And no, it doesn't sound like any more waiting in line or waiting in the lineup, I should say. That sort of goes away or it evolves to a new level. And uh, that experience just becomes a whole heck of a lot different for someone getting into the sport. It does
0: right down to your food and beverage, additional amenities, everything from the standpoint of the guest, your check-in experience, everything is absolutely frictionless and, and seamless. We've all experienced the pain of of waiting in long lines. And certainly when you're looking forward to a day out like the one we're talking about, I mean, going surfing, be it with your friends or or with your family, the last thing you want to be doing is waiting in queues or or long lines for a significant amount of time, especially when you get a board under your arm and all you want to do is jump in the water.
1: I do have two more quick questions for you, and you just jump-started one for me. Given everything that's going on these days with COVID-19 and concerns around social distancing, what do you think pool operators and park operators can do to better prepare their experiences to deal with that? And are there any particular uh, ways that Endless Surf or or Whitewater more broadly is uh, planning to address some of that?
0: It's a really good question. And actually, it ties into the topic we were just discussing. We're fortunate in that within Whitewater, we have a number of, of folks who have a great deal of uh, operational experience and have spent many, many years uh, of their own careers on that side of the fence, who, interestingly for our, our own industry, have been advising, consulting both national panels, regional panels, hosting podcasts of their own to provide insight, tips examples, ways in which operators of a variety of different assets and venues can safely and successfully reopen. One of the pivots that Vantage has actually made uh, over the course of the past few months has been A, to to assist with reopening strategies. That has included things like virtual queuing, that's included things like online setups, as I mentioned before, uh, the engagement of waivers prior to arriving on site. But equally, the ability to engage in contact tracing in real time, as well as the ability to ensure that, based on wearables, that safe uh, social and physical distancing is, in fact, being employed, identifying heat spots within venues, within various assets, where folks do, in fact, need to be dispersed or where physical or social distancing is not being observed. It's one of the benefits of the technology that, I mean, in many senses, we hope we won't have to employ for years to come. But certainly under the current circumstances and and in the near term, provides a, a really, really unique ability to give peace of mind both to operators as well as to guests that they are in a very, very safe environment.
1: It makes sense. And it sounds a whole heck of a lot safer than uh, every man for himself in the ocean as it as it exists now or, or not being able to surf at all when the beaches are closed. So uh, that's so exciting to hear. And what does the future look like? Zo- zooming out like 10, 20 years from now, what's Endless Surf going to be doing? And what does is, what is the world look like for surfers? And then how can folks learn more about Endless Surf?
0: What does the world of surf look like 10 or 20 years down the road? Well, my hope certainly is that the the trajectory that surfing is on not only continues, but accelerates from here. And I think, you know, I, I could speak for ourselves as, as well as, frankly, others who are operating in, in the exact same space as we are, I think we're all aiming to be catalysts to really drive the explosion of of growth in the sport of surfing. I think there's a passion there that we all share and and at its core fundamentally, it really is to drive that access and broaden the reach of the sport that we are all so passionate about and I think you know if if we look back and in ten years and twenty years, we can really see. 2020 and and this next decade as being a time at which that was created, that was offered, I think we're all going to realize that we've done right by ourselves and and certainly done right by the sport.
1: That's incredible. And how how can folks learn a little bit more about whitewater and Endless Surf more specifically?
0: We would ask anyone who's interested to to visit EndlessSurf.com, just as it sounds. Of course, they can visit any of the the sister companies, such as Flowrider at Flowrider.com or Whitewater at WhitewaterWest.com. To continue to tell the story, we've got some really, really exciting stuff that we look forward to be announcing in the, the coming days, weeks, and months. So uh, watch this space. It's an awesome time for all of us.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Paul. Really appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to the future that you guys are going to be building for us. So thanks again.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Chris.
1: This show is powered by surfparkcentral.com, which is the leading platform for connecting surf park operators and developers with wave technology companies, suppliers, and investors. If you're a consumer, and enthusiast, Looking to break into the surf park industry? You can check out surfparkcentral.com slash insiders to learn more about our exclusive program for events, conferences, and exclusive content to help you learn about the growing industry and the key players. Check it out, surfparkcentral.com. Thanks for listening, guys. This is Chris Klusner again, just with a few last-minute thoughts. Please do check out our website, beyondoceanpodcast.com, to subscribe to our newsletter and get exclusive updates from your local surf parks and out-of-ocean surfing experiences near you. You can also learn more about our sponsors and the incredible guests we host on the show, You can also access show notes and links. Anything that's covered in the podcast will be featured on the website. Again, it's beyondoceanpodcast.com. Check it out.